Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. So today we're going to start a new series. I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it called The Process. And what I'm hoping to do over the next four weeks is to show legitimately the process by which we become disciples and that we make disciples so that those disciples we make may make more disciples so that those disciples may make more disciples. This should be a cyclic, never-ending process for us. Amen? And so I want to talk about that today. I want to start that today with a sermon very simply titled Rooted in Christ because that's where the process has to start. Our process starts and stops in Christ Jesus. And it should be a lifetime pursuit for us because discipleship is the act of perfecting Christ-likeness in us. It's the things that we do that bring us to a place and others to a place where we become in that perfect state that we will become when we see him as he is. Amen? This is what the Word of God tells us. But we should be striving constantly to be those people, to be that person individually, but just as significantly. Listen to me. This is important. It's equally half of the, next, the things I'm going to be talking about for the next four weeks. I want to encourage you. I want to love you. I want to tell you the promises that God has over your life. And I'm going to. But let me tell you, it's selfish to think that his promises over your life are only for your life. There's a whole community out of here of people who don't know the Jesus that we know, that don't walk in the blessings that we walk in, that don't understand the love that we have because we're not showing it to them, because we've determined to stop at being disciples, not at making disciples. But the Word of God tells us we are equally responsible to both. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that um, as effectively as this old redneck can do. Being a lifelong pursuit, we have to recognize that it's exactly that, and it should cost us something. Discipleship should cost us something. And I'm going to read to you out of the text of Luke real fast, just so you know I'm teaching out of Colossians chapter 2, so if you'll go there. But for now, to set this foundation, I want to talk to you about Luke 14, 26 through 28. Actually, I'm going to start in 25. He said, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Man, you want to talk about hard teaching. I'm telling you that it doesn't matter what relationship that you have, no matter how much you love your wife, no matter how much you may love your husband, no matter how much you may love your friends, your family, it doesn't matter. There is someone you have to love more if you're going to call yourself a disciple of Christ, and that is Christ. 
You're like, I don't know if I can love anybody more than I love my wife. You, you got to find a way to get there. The power of the Holy Spirit can get you there because the Bible very plainly speaks that if you don't love him more than them, now that doesn't mean disdain them. That doesn't mean discard them. That doesn't mean walk away from them. But what it means is we must love them less than we love Jesus. Our responsibility is to love Jesus. And can I tell you a secret, something that just should blow your mind? That the more you love Jesus, the more prepared you'll be to love them anyway. Because you're not going to love them properly until your love for Jesus is right. So you're sacrificing the love you have for them at the altar of Jesus, but Jesus is going to give them back to you in a more powerful way. So we have to be able to first say that I'm going to love him more than anyone else in my life. But then he goes further and says, I must pick up my cross. This wasn't some euphemism, some platitude that Jesus said. They knew exactly what he was talking about. They had seen people crucified on the side of the road. To pick up your own cross means you need to be willing to die to self. Even if that means physically, you need to be willing to do whatever is necessary. Sacrifice yourself upon in this discipleship process. Completely destroy yourself. Become more like Christ Jesus. I don't care what your struggle is. I don't care what your stuff is. I'll tell you, Jesus is bigger. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. I, I love that verbiage. I think Jesus was probably very intentional in the reason and the way that he talked. He said, pick up your cross. He didn't say pick up his cross. He didn't tell me to pick up D.W.'s cross. He didn't tell me to pick up Matt Lowe's cross. He told me to pick up my cross. And my cross looks different than everybody else's cross in here. But the fact of the matter is, whatever it is, whatever I've been called to, I must be willing to die upon it for the sake of Christ Jesus. I haven't started teaching yet. I'm just trying to show you why discipleship, why. Don't call yourself a disciple if you can't say these things because Jesus isn't calling you a disciple. So I must love him more than anyone in my life. I must love him more than my own life. That's what it means to pick up your cross. And then he continues and he says, and come after me, which means for the rest of my life. That I will do all of those things. That I will love him more than anyone in my life, more than my own life, for the rest of my life. Or you can't be a disciple. You can't, you can't belong to him if you're not willing to do these things. You're all, man, he's asking a lot of me. No, he's not asking any more of you than he willingly took upon himself. He loved his own life less than he loved you. He loved his own family, earthly family, less then he loved you. And he loved with all that he was until the end of his life. 
This is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. And we have to count the cost. The rest of that chapter speaks of counting the cost. And the reason why I start here is because we need to learn to count the cost. We need to realize that this is the cost of admission. This is what the ticket to ride is. Your life. And you're willing to submit it, even have it destroyed for the sake of Christ so that you might grow in him and so that others might know him too. Everybody okay? I'm trying to throw down a pretty heavy gauntlet at the beginning because I don't think we listen. I don't think largely we pay attention to what God expects of us. And if I'm going to be a disciple, I have to do these things. I have to count the cost of these things. And having counted the cost of these things, I'm expected to submit to the process. Talks about counting the cost of going to war, counting the cost of building a building. Let me tell you, you have to count the cost so that you could submit to the process. There's a process to which a man goes to war. You better count the cost to make sure that you don't end up halfway through your process and disqualify. There's a process for building. And you better make sure that you've counted the cost so you don't disqualify yourself from finishing the building. You are required to work the process. We were given a process by which to work, and it was make disciples. This is what Jesus says. Make disciples, teach them all, or baptize them, teach them all that, you, that I've taught you. So essentially he's saying, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to make them. I need you to mark them by baptism. I need you to mature them by teaching them. And I need you to multiply them by teaching them to teach others. That's our responsibility to discipleship. That's the process. And I'm going to use this tree here as an analogy for the four steps of that process. And the first one, like I said, is, is, is rooted in Christ. That we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and through that sealing of the Holy Spirit, rooted in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I'm only going to teach out of two verses today. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. How do we become rooted in Christ? By first understanding that your root started as a seed. It says receive Christ, much like much like the ground would receive a seed. You have to receive Christ. There's a seed that's planted in you first. You know where that seed comes from? That seed comes by the provocation of the Holy Spirit. No man can come to the Father unless he's drawn to me. All people have been called. The Holy Spirit breaks the soil so that the seed can be planted. 
we've been told, listen, some people are called, some people are not called. God created some for heaven. God created some for destruction. That is the antithesis of what the Scripture actually says. The Scripture says, just in the single most common verse in all of the Bible, for God so loved who? The world. That whosoever. That destroys the idea that there is a calling for some and not a calling for others. Every person has been called by God. Now, I don't know when God intends to call you, but I promise that he will keep you until he does. We have to trust that God has called us, and he calls us by the power of his Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24 says, But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who were called. How are they called? They're called by the power of the Holy Spirit, both Jews and Greeks, first the power of God and then the wisdom of God. We are called. We are been invited into the process. God created you to belong to him. He made his nature, his deity known to you before that seed was ever planted, before that soil was ever broken. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that if you just go outside and stare at the ceiling or stare at the stars, if you just go outside and watch a tree grow or watch the grass grow, if you just go outside and watch the ocean come up to the beach and wonder why did it stop right here, you're going to come to a realization that there is a God. He created a need in you for a God. That's why even people that don't worship God worship something, because we're made for worship. Amen? But when we are called and we submit to that calling, the Spirit breaks the soil so that the seed might be planted. And I don't know about y'all, some people's soil's hard. But that's all right, whether it be fallow ground, shallow ground, or hallow ground. If God calls you, you're coming. Amen? When he reveals himself to you, man, I can tell you from personal experience, there's nothing like it. People say, man, you're, you're a Bible thumper. You're wearing me out with this, that, and the other thing. I'm not a Bible thumper, but if you knew what I knew, if you just knew the love that I know, if you knew the peace that I knew, if you had the confidence to know what I know, that at the end of my life, if I die right today, I am better off for it. I had a conversation with a guy at the store on vacation, one of those passing conversations at a convenience store. And he's all, how you, I asked him how he's doing. He goes, any day above ground is a good day. Right? You've heard that? I love that, except it's stupid. Because <laughs> I looked at him and I said, well, I'm a believer. So any day below ground is going to be a better day. And he said, oh, I like that. All right. But let me tell you, that's the truth. That's what I know. And that's what we can all know, too. And who wouldn't want some other people to know the same thing? How many of you guys, by show of hands, know someone that needs Jesus? Amen. It happens. It's going to happen. But it's not going to happen without you. Statistically speaking. Because although the spirit breaks the soil, someone, once that soil is broken, has to actually put that seed in the ground. 
How many of you guys came to the Lord because of a Christophany? Jesus showed up in your room tangibly where you could see him, like Paul in Acts chapter 9 and said, I am the Christ. How many of you guys came to the Lord like that? Yeah, me either. You know how I came to the Lord? I came to the Lord because a year before I even started going to church, a guy told me, he said, if you keep living like you're living, you're going to end up in hell, and made me sit in his office while he prayed for me. I got mad. I'm a grown man. You're talking to me crazy. But he was an older man. I was raised by my papa. I didn't look to get slapped in the teeth, so I sat there while he prayed over me. He told me, he said, come to church. A year later, I met my wife who told me she wouldn't date me if I didn't go to church. And so I said, well, this is the only church I've ever been invited to, so I went to that church. Somebody was willing to break that soil. The Spirit broke that soil so that the seed could be planted. We have a responsibility to plant the seed. Now, he didn't bring me to a place where I was willing to confess Jesus Christ, but let me tell you what he did. He tilled that soil to ensure that seed took good root. But because the soil was tilled, another man came and watered it and punched a hole in the ground and dropped that seed. Angela and I went to Cornerstone Church for three months before I gave my life to the Lord. I had no desire at all to give my life to the Lord up to the point of the day that I gave my life to the Lord. I said, I'm not interested in that. I'm literally coming to church because she said she wouldn't date me unless I did. But I figure it's a decent trade. But why did we stay at Cornerstone? Because our, our intent was to skip, skip around churches, kind of feel out churches. We stayed there because from the very first day, the guy in the parking lot smiled at us. The guy in the parking lot introduced us to the usher who smiled at us, or the greeter. The greeter introduced us to the usher who smiled at us. And those people loved us enough to beat back the darkness long enough for us to see Jesus when Jesus was finally proclaimed to us. That's, the Spirit breaks the soil, but we're responsible for planting the seed. Amen? That's the commandment. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Let me, let me read this to you. Romans chapter 10, 13 through 14 and 17. If I was on the right page, it'd look, it'd look make more sense. 10, 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You guys believe that? I hope so because it's in the word of God and it's infallible. 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Preacher in this text means declarer, one that's willing to declare. How will they hear? How will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless somebody's willing to proclaim to them? Most people don't come to Christ through a Christophany, most people come to Christ because someone cared enough to say, let me tell you, Jim, if you keep living the way you're living, you're going to end up in hell, but there's a better way. There's a Jesus who died for you, who loves you, who cares about your soul and your eternity so much 
that he came down to earth and sacrificed himself so you could be with him forever. And you're all, that doesn't make any sense. That's why the Bible calls it foolishness. Until you believe, then it's not foolishness at all. It makes perfect sense. Amen? Why am I so, I feel, I feel I'm feeling very flamboyant today. Why am I being so flamboyant? Because, man, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to be. It's amazing to me, after seven years, there's a single empty chair in this whole space during all three services. And I'm convinced, this is going to sound like I'm being on you, and that's all right because I am, kind of. It's because we haven't taken the time to say, you need to know the God that I know to the degree that we should. You're all, I tell people, to the degree that we should which means over and over and over and over and over and over and over. They deserve to know the same Jesus that I know. Hmm. Spirit breaks the ground. Someone plants the seed. And our confession in Christ breaks that seed to create the root. Every seed must die to be broken and rooted. When we confess Jesus Christ, that's what we're saying. When we listen to the gospel, when we say, I believe that Christ Jesus died for me, that he is Lord of my life, and that God raised him from the dead, believing that in faith, that he, for no other reason than love that motivated him to extend grace to us. Our seed takes root. You're like, man, when does that process start? And for me, it started, I guess probably when my grandmother adopted me when I was 14. Because she started teaching me, she started making me Memorize the word of God. Didn't make any sense to me. But the spirit motivated her to do it. And then it continued. In Philip Michael's office when he told me to sit down and shut up. And it continued in the smile of another person. And then it continued and finally came to root. And I finally came to a place where I understood that Christ Jesus was for me and died for me. When my pastor boldly declared unapologetically the true gospel message to me. But we don't do that. We don't. And I tell people about Jesus. But this convictionally and unapologetically, that's something else. It has to be convictional and unapologetic. That's what Paul meant when he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to say the truth of the gospel message because it's the only thing that can save you. It is the power of God unto salvation, period. There is no other thing. There's no other way to heaven. Well, that's not true. Every false religion will get you to heaven. Only Jesus will keep you there. If you don't know what I mean, let me clarify. You're going to be in judgment. 
and you're going to be told, if you don't know Jesus, go away. The only thing worse, I think, than going just straight to hell is getting to see heaven first. To getting to see the face of a father whose heart is broken because you made a decision to be away from him instead of allow him to love you. Imagine that image burning in your mind for all of eternity. Now imagine that image burning in the mind of someone you love for all of eternity because you didn't want to tell them the whole truth. It's our responsibility to submit to the Spirit but plant the seed, knowing that that seed will ultimately break because all are called because God desires that all come to Him. Amen? good preaching right there number two properly seeded we are rooted once that seed pops and we become root we read this so walk in him having been firmly rooted that's the that's the command walk in Christ Jesus because that's who you received walk in him and this is what that looked like. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. Since we've been rooted in Christ, we must be in continual growth. We have to grow. Now, I'm going to talk all next week about the growth process. But in regards to the growing of the root, this is what it says. Be built up in him which means build on the foundations we have been placed upon. We must constantly be built upon him on the foundation. 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Build on any other foundation besides Jesus Christ, you will crumble and fall. How do I grow? How do I make sure my, my root is strong, that it doesn't, pull out of the ground in the storm, you have to make sure that your foundation is strong. The stronger your faith, you know, in hurricane weather, they make places that have hurricanes, they make foundations differently than they make them in the Midwest. They make them differently than they have them in California. But in California, because of earthquakes, they make them differently than they do in Middle Tennessee. You know why? Because they need the foundation to hold. Let me tell you, your life in Christ Jesus, Christ is that foundation. We have to shore up and ensure that we are built up in him. I'm not built up in my works. I'm not built up in whether or not I'm wearing a nice sport coat. I'm not built up in how much money we raise. I'm not built up in whether or not we build the building. I'm not built up in any of those things. You know what I'm built up in? I'm built up in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus is our foundation. All this other stuff happens consequently, consequentially to being founded in Christ Jesus. If I had to tell you, focus on one thing. Make sure your foundation's good. Because like a root system, if your foundation isn't good, your tree's going to fall. Amen? That's good. Our roots grow by, see, by being established in our faith. Second thing he says in regard to growing your, your rootedness in Christ is to be established in your faith. Be settled in your faith. 
Don't allow yourself to be swayed. In verse 8 it says, So to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the word, rather than Christ. Don't allow yourself to be swayed. You need to ensure that you are established in your faith, that I know that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he'll do, that in Christ Jesus I have eternal life, that no one can separate me. No, no one. If you have any questions about what no one means, read chapter 8 of Romans. That means no one. No one, no thing, nothing created can separate you from Christ Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen. All of those things are third-party things. Doesn't mean you can't not pay attention and end up getting messed up and walking away because no one removed you, you did. Which is why we need to be established in our faith to make sure that we aren't uprooted. I know that he sees me according to Hebrews 4.13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I know he sees me. That establishes my faith. I know that he protects me according to 2 Thessalonians 3.3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And because he protects me and he sees me, that establishes my faith. That digs my roots in a little bit deeper to make sure my foundation is as firm as it can be. Amen? He gives me peace. I know that he's a God of peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And my faith is established. It's established in Christ Jesus, and through Christ Jesus, I know that I have the promises of God over my life. You want your roots to be strong? Know who you're rooted in. Read the word. Hear the word. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. You want to be established in your faith? You better be coming to church. People are, I don't need to go to church. I'm spiritual. Devil's spiritual too, still going to hell. You need somewhere where you can hear the word of God. You're all, I read the Bible every day. That's great. Praise God for it. And that's going to build your faith too. But the Bible is very specific to say, comes by hearing. There's something about hearing the word of God that sets it deep into your soul. There's times when instead of reading my Bible, I'll get on my Bible app and I'll let it read to me. I'm getting the same information, but I'm hearing it instead of internalizing it. Because in hearing it, I do internalize it get down into my foundation so I can't be shaken and end up established in my faith. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? And then finally, according to this text, the last part of seven, and overflowing with gratitude. You want a strong root system? Be thankful for something. Have a heart overflowing with gratitude. I, I taught this not very long ago on Wednesday night. If you don't come on Wednesdays, you're really missing out. I'm a better teacher on Wednesday nights. I don't know if that's true. 
But I, I said this, gratitude is a consequence of remembrance. I can't be grateful for something I'm not willing to remember. When I think about how good God is and what he's done for me, my gratefulness comes from my history. as well as from his promises for my future. But we've been commanded to remember. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. He says, remember who you formerly were. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Man, that's sad, right? Did you know two-thirds or greater of our community are in this condition right now? Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And let me tell you, that ought to build a heart of gratitude in you. That ought to cause your roots to go, mm, that's what I'm talking about. My foundation is sure. My foundation is set. I am immovable. I am unshakable. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Christ Jesus has done on my behalf. But many of us don't pay attention to our foundation. We don't grow our faith, and we're not grateful. And we cause ourselves some real damage. Two things can happen to us, probably more than two, but two things I'm going to tell you about that can happen to an otherwise healthy root system. They're called root rot and root suckers. Root rot happens when an otherwise healthy root system absorbs too much moisture and rots and disease sets into the root system, weakening the root system and then essentially killing the tree. Many of us, and that's because it's either planted in soil that was ineffectual, that was too damp, or became too damp, and many of us have submitted to the moisture of the world and let all of that creep into our root system and create decay in us. We need to pay attention to the soil that we're in we need to pay attention to who we're surrounded by, by what we're listening to, what we're allowing to her, and who we're allowing to speak into our lives. Modern secularism and its ideology will kill you. Bumper sticker theology will lead you astray. You want to make sure your roots are messed up? Believe that Jesus Christ is your co-pilot. Let me tell you, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. It's cute, but if he's not your pilot, he's your nothing. And it's the little lies that get us. It's the little lies that immerse us, that destroy our root systems. I could go on and on with bumper sticker theology and my frustration with it. But we have to make sure that our roots are strong and that we're surrounded both by understanding and people who affirm the truth of the word of God in our life, or we're going to end up with root rot. And the other thing is root suckers. Angela and I used to have these trees, what were they called? Crepe myrtles, hate them. They're the worst tree, I don't know. I, God just put them on the earth to create patience and, in me. That's it. But they are the worst because they always have these little roots, or these little 
branches that stick out of the ground all the way around it. You know what I'm talking about? Those are root suckers. That happens when trauma or something along the, or stress happens to the tree. The tree, in order to overcompensate or to try to compensate for the damage or the trauma that it's had, will begin to grow these upsprouts so that, well, to compensate. The problem is, as more and more of these upsprouts begin to happen, they suck the nourishment out of the tree and out of the root system and end up not helping the trauma, but creating more trauma and ultimately killing the tree. We have to stop allowing our traumas and our stresses to dictate the life that we have. Jesus Christ gave us life, and he gave us life eternal, and he gave us life fully and abundantly. This is the truth of God's word. Don't let your root system get messed up because you're all, man, I can't be rooted today. I got, I got messed up at work. Somebody yelled at me or this thing happened or that thing. I don't know if I got money for my electric bill. Let me tell you, if you trust God, surround yourself with his people, he's going to take care of you. Stop worrying about the trauma. Stop worrying about the stress. My heart's getting all excited doing, doing a thing. We are rooted in Christ Jesus, but it's our responsibility to protect that root. Amen? So I'm going to end on this. We have to be rooted in Christ Jesus by his spirit. What's your root health look like? What's your root system look like? Many of us have made a confession of faith. The fact of the matter is we've let the moisture of the world and the things surround us that shouldn't be around us. We've submitted to trauma. We've submitted to the stressors of the world. And we've released from our root system. We've allowed our root system to thin or decay or to rot. As the Bible says, we, we've not paid attention and hence drifted away. If that's you today, I got a prayer for you, and it's simple. God, bring me back. Bring me back to focus. And then there's some people that have never accepted the seed at all. The truth of the word of God is that Jesus Christ had died for you. And he needed to because we're all sinners destined for hell, both by action and by nature. But praise God, through his sacrifice, a declaration of his lordship, believing that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. I don't know where you are today. I feel like I know where most of you are. But I'm going to pray a prayer today. If you've allowed yourself to drift away, man, it's time, to, it's time to start paying attention. It's time to submit to the process. Truly commit. I'm going to love him more than the people around me. I'm going to love him more than my own life. And I'm going to love him for the rest of my life.